Hosting for Your Tech Life, proudly provided by Web Central. Everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, want all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Oh, thank you very much for listening. This is episode 214 of Your Tech Life. Um, you know, this is all about you and technology in your life. I, I hope that everything I talk about on this show each and every week, over 214 different weeks, um, is relevant to you as an individual. It's If you've got a question about technology, a problem with technology, it doesn't matter what it is, you can just go to the website eftm.com.au or yourtechlife.com uh, or you can call me on 1-800-157-157. I'd love to hear from you, help you with your technology questions or problems. It doesn't matter whether it's a fault in your technology or a question about what to buy. And we've got a few calls tonight that'll uh, demonstrate that. Plus, tonight we're going to talk, or today, however, whenever you're listening, doesn't matter. Just because I record at night doesn't mean you have to listen at night. I know that. Uh, we're going to talk home networking. Have you thought about the, the Barbie and how it might need, need to be networked? Uh, we'll talk about that with uh, Brad Little, the managing director of Netgear. And we're also going to talk about possibly the cheapest app building solution you'll ever hear about. If you're a small business, this could well be for you. I'm a little bit blown away by this concept, and I want to know more about it. Um, it's called Shareable Apps. I'm going to tell you about uh, an accessory for your iPhone that will help you monitor and uh, grow the most beautiful plants possible. You don't know what I mean, and neither did I, but it's true. Plus, low-cost mobile... Oh, sorry, low-cost home broadband. I keep getting confused with mobile because we've been talking low-cost mobiles for so long now, but it's coming to your broadband at home if you want it. And I've got a warning for you about a company I do not want you to shop with on the internet. All that and more on Your Tech Life, episode 214. Thanks for listening. Get in touch. You can follow me at Twitter on Twitter, at Trevor Long, or go to the website, yourtechlife.com. Well, if there's one thing that people are asking for this Christmas, it's going to be a new games console. The Xbox One or the PlayStation 4. I want to hear from you. I want to know what do you think. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then, well, you're not the one that needs to answer the question. But let me tell you, if you're interested in gaming, you know about these devices and you want one. I haven't decided what I am. And I get this question, obviously, because games company, oh, I get sent games. It's fantastic. But what am I? I, I think I think I'm an Xbox person, uh, but nothing beats the racing car driving experience of the PlayStation because the Logitech G27 steering wheel and pedals that I have is compatible with the PlayStation. I haven't found a brilliant steering wheel for the Xbox yet. So, Xbox One comes out, oh, I think it's the 22nd, the Friday. PlayStation 4, the 15th. Which one are you hanging out for and why? Are you going to buy one or are you going to wait for the discounts to come on the old one, the PlayStation 3 or the Xbox 360? Um, this is a really interesting um, topic that's going to take over the next month or so as we lead up to Christmas because these things need to sell hot because the games companies and Sony and Microsoft have put so much into it. It's amazing, the investment. So I've seen the, the Xbox One at a, at a showcase they had recently. It was unbelievable. The Kinect camera on this thing can detect multiple people in the room. It can tell who you are just by when you walk up to it. It's fantastic. Oh, I just think it's mind-blowing. So really recommend you check it out. The PlayStation 4, I'm yet to have a look at, but we'll do so this Friday. I'd love to know what you think or that you want. Uh, go to the website, send me an email, yourtechlife.com, or phone me up, 
1-800-157-157 or hit me up on Twitter at Trevor Long. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. YourTechLife.com, the place to go to get in touch. Or you can call 1-800-157-157. Let's go back to calls. G'day, Lynn. Hi, how are you, Trevor? Really good. What can I do for you? Um, I would like to know. I have a, an old iPhone 3, mm-hmm. uh, but I would li- I know I have to upgrade. Yeah. Um, but I need to know. Uh, I would really like a really good camera on the phone yeah. and something with a lot of clarity, which yeah. I find the Samsung has. But um, I really don't want to go away from the um, iPhone. You've answered your own question, then, haven't you? You know, you <laughs> want to stay with the iPhone. Now, well, let me let me uh, let me challenge why. Have you got a lot of apps that you use, or you just really like the way it works? No, it's just because I have, um, uh, like I have an iPad and um, the kids all have um, mini iPads yep. and all that sort of stuff. So, Well, I, I think you've answered your own question. You should, you're going to stay with Apple. We know that now because that's, that's mm-hmm. just where you're at. The, okay. good, the good thing is the phone that you've got right now, it, it's a perfect you know, toy for the grandkids as an iPod <laughs> touch, basically. You take the SIM card out and you can still play apps and things on it. You can still even do iMessage. So it's, oh, still, okay. it's still a useful device, okay? Uh-huh. Now, um, the, the reason I, I tell you to stay with Apple is because when you buy an app, it's available then to use on, on any of those other devices, and I think that's a really useful thing. Plus, you're familiar with it. Now, if you buy an iPhone 5S, which is the absolute latest, mm-hmm. you are getting the absolute best camera um, that Apple has to offer. Some would argue it's not the best on the market. I would argue that in terms of usability, it definitely is. So with an iPhone, you just tap the button and it's taking photos. Snap, 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 snap. Yep, that's right. Samsung has a great camera, but I just think the app is a little bit clumsy sometimes. So I think if you would, do you think you buy outright or go on a plan? No, I'd rather buy outright, yeah. Perfect. If you've got the money, mm-hmm. walk into an Apple store, buy an iPhone 5S, and you know what, Lynn, buy the gold one, you know? Okay. Just, just go all out. They're the same price, so it doesn't matter. And I think, I, I'd like to say, I think, you, I guarantee you'll ring me back and say, Wow. Because okay. the photos are beautiful. The screen is amazing. You, you'll love it, Lynn. I really Excellent. think you will. So, I, As I said, I have a, um, an iPad which has the retina display. Oh, well, you've, you've already witnessed beautiful. it. it's beautiful. Yeah. Imagine that in your hand every day. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, excellent. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Okay. All right, I want to hear what, what happens when you get that phone, all right? I want all to right, see then. how much you love it, all right? But definitely no stick problem. with the Apple iPhone, all right? Okay. Good on Thank you. you. Thanks for much. getting in touch. And uh, you okay. can get in touch as well. Just go to the website, yourtechlife.com. And you're listening to Your Tech Life. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading at yourtechlife.com, the place to go to get in touch. Uh, let's go back to calls. G'day, Alicia. Hey, Trevor. How are you? Good. What can I do for you? Right. Well, I'm just in the middle of building, and I really want to make sure that I have um, the, the sound and the... Um, uh, I guess the network sorted mm. out. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I've, I've been thinking of, you know, I really, I really like the idea of different zones, and so that the um, all the kids can have iPad access to different uh, different information, um, and also just the speakers can follow me around and whatnot. Yeah, and have you looked at products for for the sound part? Is a difficult one because there's so many systems out there now. Have True. Have you thought about a system that you want to get for the for the music, or are you open to that at the moment? I, I'm pretty much open to that. Of course, yeah. the, the um, uh, I, I want to make sure that the data is all working and captured beautifully. So, mm. um, you know, we, we're, it's a Wi-Fi enabled house, uh, and I'd, I'd just like some central 
um, area where I can store movies and music and all my data, and we can all connect to it. Yeah. Are you a Mac or a PC household? PC. And what well, about? Well, bit a bit of both, really. Yeah. Do you have a Mac computer or um or? No. Yeah. Okay. I have a PC computer, but um, you know, the kids now have um iPad friendly schools. Yep. So uh, you know, it might be something that I'd need to get. Um, a Mac to operate the main console or whatnot. So what what you need centrally, and and I speak from a little bit of experience, thankfully here, um, because I've had a little bit of centralised um, storage, like you were talking about. Plus, I'm now currently renovating a new home, so I'm kind of in that same phase as you. And oh, look, the, the the number one thing that you need is is what they call a NAS, a network attached storage, and. The, the key to these things is they are like a mini computer that sits at the heart of your house. And they, they're fantastic because they offer not only a place to put things that anyone can get to, um, but they offer you a kind of backup. And, and, you know, they might be the central. So our NAS, we've got a Netgear Ready NAS. Um, it, it's, it's where all of our photos and movies live. Plus, we put all our music there. Now, the problem with music often is, how do you play it out? And even when you're when you're using like an iTunes style play out, the, the the network attached storage doesn't really like, um, or iTunes doesn't really like network storage. iTunes like music to sit on a computer, right. and and having a computer that that runs all your music is fine, but it kind of means that computer's got to be on for your music to work. So you you got to be looking for a network storage solution that is is highly compatible with iTunes. And, and make right. that one of your requirements because just putting music on it um, doesn't mean – so th- there's two really interesting kind of ecosystems that exist in the world and, and they are Apple and Other. And, and, and Apple is amazing when it's all Apple. So you, you airplay music from here to there. Um, I've got a Sonos system that, that can read my iTunes library and send it around. But the other one and, – and, and let's be clear, the better one – is, is not the Apple system. It's called DLNA. And if you have a DLNA-enabled network, so your, your network storage is DLNA and your devices are DLNA, like your TV, your speaker system, then you can literally use um, a thing like an iPad or an iPhone or a smartphone, Android smartphone, and you can literally kind of push content. So you can say, I want this file, this piece of music, to play on that speaker, and I want that movie to play on that TV, but you'll never get your utopia, Alicia. Has anyone told you that you'll kind of live in a utopian world and everything will work beautifully for you? <laughs> I know that it doesn't. Mm, because it won't. I mean, I'll be honest with you. It's it's. There's always going to be some level of compromise happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, I guess what you, what I would advise is that you you create a real understanding of the outputs in the house. So mm-hmm. think of them as your TV, um, yeah. your speakers. And your phones. So um, the speakers are really crucial because you can put multiple speakers in multiple rooms. And often, in fact, you won't need that network storage. You can actually just play music on from your iPhone on the speaker in your bathroom or the speaker in the kids' playroom directly, like a Bluetooth connection. And it's, right. a, great, it's a great thing to have that isolated connection because then the kids are doing what they want. Um, whereas if you've got the money, and let's be clear, it does take money, the Sonos system is just amazing because any device can control any speaker and you can you can group speakers together so you had a speaker in every room and group them all together or you could separate every single room into its own room or any combination of, of in between 
and you do literally choose what happens to where. You can play radio from TuneIn Radio on one. You can play your music library on another. You can play directly from a phone to another. So it is probably, in my opinion, the ultimate solution. But when you look, you'll probably need to be sitting down price-wise. <laughs> That's right. I mean, you only ever hear of, of Wi-Fi-enabled um, speakers of the Sonos brand, are there no competitors? There are plenty of competitors, and I've tried lots of them. Right. But, you know, none of them are as good a quality. There's no doubt they they make brilliant quality. Or none of them have the the true um, multi-room capabilities. They're all all trying, and and you're probably in this really bad position of, of where you and I are in this black hole space where this is the evolving technology right now. So mm-hmm. I would say to you that I'm expecting 2014 to be the year of the smart home, and right. and I expect that like 2013 was the year of the portable speaker, I think, because we've yeah. seen so many. I mean, I've literally been, been sent probably 15 portable speakers to review this year, these little things that are Bluetooth and you just take them wherever you go. But the big missing link is is the Wi-Fi style speakers, and there, there's a lot around. Um, look up a company called Pure, P-U-R-E, the Jongo range. They're very good. But again, there's always a limitation. Like you can, you might not be able to run two different things in two different rooms. You might just be able to exclude one room from what you're doing. Right. Whereas Sonos really literally works for every speaker is independent or can be brought together. So um, if you can find one that's that's as close to Sonos as possible, they are they are literally copying Sonos, which is great. It happens all the time in tech. You know, innovation like that is mm-hmm. is is shared, shall we say. But um, you are probably, and, you know, I have this debate with my wife. You know, we talk about the spending the money on the aircon or whatever, and we are better off spending the money up front than feeling sure. like we shouldn't have, we should have waited or something later on down the track. So if you can put a budget together that allows you to, to build the starting point of a Sonos system, the great thing about the Sonos system is it can be expanded and built on over time. It's not finished on day one. Um, I've just got two Sonos speakers. That's all I've got, but... I love the fact that they're independent or, or linked, and I know that I can get a Sonos soundbar for under my TV, and that can be my next step. So I can build on them sure. as we go. But building okay. the bones of the network is crucial, making sure you've got – you said you've got a Wi-Fi-enabled house. As long as you're building the best Wi-Fi network you can in terms of making sure that it's coverage across the house, then you're setting the bones for the right, right media play out in the future. Okay. So a lot of our rooms have already got the – Cat5 cabling, Cat5 cabling. Is that is that correct? The absolutely, yeah. Cat5 cabling is um, good. Okay, so um, I could potentially have a NAS system like Synology or like um, the Netgear, um, yep, and and have that compartmentalised across the house, and then just get like like you've got just a couple of Wi-Fi enabled speakers. That's right. That's exactly right. And so what you do is you you treat that um, Synology or Netgear or whatever it might be, you treat Mm -hmm. that as the, as just like it, you know, most, most workplaces have a server. That's where all the stuff is. So when you, when your kids put a computer into the network, whether it's plugged in or Wi-Fi, the, 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 the network storage just appears as a drive that they can all access. And it might say, ours says family photos, family documents, family movies, and sure. that's that's where everything lives, and and we can look at it from any any device. And, and then, it doesn't slow down the system. No, at all. not at all. I mean, the bottom line is, hard wiring is always better, um, yep. because you're just getting better throughput. It it just is better. So you've got yep. those Cat fives. That's a great solution because you can plug some speakers into the hardwire, but certainly your computers can be hardwired, and then you can 
pick them up and go on Wi-Fi when you need to. Um, you just got to you've got to buy the right system. You know, don't buy the cheapest network storage system because the cheapest one's really built for a you know a home office that has two computers and just shouldn't be storing all their data that way. You know, right. again, you've got to spend money. You, you know, you get what you pay for. My Netgear was you know I think nearly six seven hundred dollars plus the drives that go in it, but it's it's brilliant and it's just what I need. Um, and and I can do my backups to it, but I'm not worried about have, science. Sorry, Trevor, do, yeah. do they have the um, uh, interface or, or an app that you can uh, control it on iPads and iPhones and things like that? Yeah, so what happens, and this goes back to that DLNA thing I was talking about. So right. what um, what you'll find is that, forget Netgear, forget the company or, or the, the brand, if it's enabled for that, then there's a lot of apps that do DLNA. So all DLNA apps do is they look for the content and they look for the devices like TVs and speakers and they allow you to, to send the command that sends one to the other. Um, wow. Really, what what happens with these, these network stories, these NAS systems, is you do the setup via you know via your computer and there, there might be a monitoring program or something via a website interface that is on the on the device, but you really never touch it again other than to dump files or retrieve files from it again. Everything else just listens to it and reads from it or writes to it. Wow. If that makes sense. That's and the, right. The great thing okay. about it, and do you, do you, have you heard about the terminology RAID? Uh, yes. Yep. You know, again, uh, so, so making your storage RAID compliant means that you've not just got one hard drive with all your data on it. It's kind of backed up and, and redundant amongst itself so that you, you're not losing data. Um, you know, so it sounds like you're on the right track, Alicia. I really think you, you've got the basics of the concepts, and really, you just need to decide on on the products that you buy, um, both right. in the network storage space and in the in the speaker space, because you've built the bones of the network. You've built a Wi-Fi home. You've built a Cat Five enabled home. You just you just need to find a space to put this little network um, storage, and it is best placed nearest to the router so that it's not coming sure. backwards and forwards across the network. But you know, I think you're you're way ahead of uh, the the pack in terms of where you need to be in terms of planning this stuff. Goodness. Okay. Now, can uh, these NAS um, storage devices? You know, can they talk? Does it have to be a, a smart TV, or is it just a Wi-Fi enabled TV, or? So again, it depends on the TV. I've got a, a recent, like a couple of year old, maybe three year old now, LG TV, which does DLNA. So. Uh-huh. I, I can I can use it for those things, but if you've got a smart TV, it's it's probably going to be okay. If you've got an in between TV, then you might need to buy a little little um little media center, a Western Digital, a Netgear make them. There's a few companies that make these little tiny set top boxes, kind of like an Apple TV, but yep. but they're not. That they they live in the other ecosystem that will that will see and read and hear your your network storage, and that goes to that whole. Well, Apple TV is great, but it's really hearing and listening to. Apple products or AirPlay-enabled products, it's not really listening to your network storage. Sure. Okay. But uh, but if you've invested quite a bit of time in your iTunes library, um, you you basically need the system to talk to a computer that is on. That's right. Right. Yep. Okay. Because you, you, there are ways, and, and feel free to research away. But my basic answer to you is: I've got all my music living on my computer. I've mm-hmm. backed it up so it's sitting on my NAS as well, so I can use it and play around with it. But when it comes to iTunes and my Apple TV, I just turn, this, the great thing about iTunes, whether it's on a PC or a Mac, interfacing with Apple TV and your other computers is it just works. Um, right. And if you try and go through some kind sort of third-party thing, 
it'll always just be more complicated than it should be. So having a computer on with the iTunes library running is going to control lots of your music and work quite nicely that way. Great. Okay, no worries. But if it was to speak to a, um, a speaker system, you need some sort of amplifier or um, some smart device. Yeah, the, the, the network storage is literally just a hard drive. Think of it like okay. a dumb, it's a dumb computer that you can't plug a monitor or a keyboard into. Um, right. You yep. then you then need a, a a better a speaker system that is um that, that that is smart enough to do Wi-Fi or there are these little things you can get called uh, and Apple have them called AirPorts. Um, I saw one the other day uh, from Netgear which was like a plug it into a PowerPoint. It finds your Wi-Fi network and then you can actually plug a speaker into it. So you know there are ways to to extend your network and run music throughout the house using non-smart speakers, but there's some sort of device required no matter what you do. Sure. Oh, Trevor, that just sounds wonderful. Thank you. I know you're confused, but I think, let me, I just want to reassure you, <laughs> reassure you that you're on the right track. You've built, the, you've built the bones of the house. You're thinking about network storage, which gives you backup and shareability. And yep. then your next, your last, last little piece of the puzzle is just the device, the input and output devices, speakers and TVs. Play with those, research those, and I think you'll end up building a really, really nice um, smart network in your home. Okay, all right. Good <laughs> on you, Alicia. Worry. Thanks for getting in touch, and you can get in touch anytime. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for your time, Charles. Good on you, and you can get in touch as well. Just go to the website yourtechlife.com or call one eight hundred one five seven one five seven. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, your tech, tech life. life with Trevor Long. And you're listening to Your Tech Life. Your Tech Life episode two hundred and fourteen. Thank you for listening. Uh, get in touch. Just go to the website yourtechlife.com. Now, I've said it many times before. I get a lot of releases and, and things that, that are offered to talk about, and some of them are very interesting. Some of them, um, I hope you're engaged by. I've got to be honest, this one I'm still yet to fully understand, which is why I've got my next guest on the line, because I think this could appeal to a lot of my listeners, people who are um, small business people or big business people and, and are bamboozled by the whole app development world. Um, and uh, joining me on the line is Adam Friedman from uh, Shareable Apps. Adam, good day, mate. How are you doing? Very good. How are you? Well, I'm, I'm bamboozled, yes. okay? The idea here is that you're telling me mm. uh, that you can create apps quickly and on the fly mm-hmm. on multiple devices yep and, and anyone that's had anything to do with app development would say no nah, that's that's just crazy talk well, yep. what's the principle of what you do oh, well so that that uh, experience of being bamboozled is pretty common uh, if you want to get an app done mm. so um look i guess we're we're where most businesses are is they know that customers have got smartphones there's massive adoption of all the different sorts of smartphones and tablets out there so you just start to scratch the surface and you want to go and get an app made because you know apps are great, um, but you run into all these hurdles when you want to get one done. You've got to build one for iPhone, you've got to build one for Android, you've got to support all these different versions, and then the app stores sort of slow things down, and it's very complicated and, and frustrating. So uh, a few years ago, we started building apps, and we kind of we ran into these problems and thought, well, there's got to be a better way to do this. So we started building a, a platform that makes these apps. You can make one yourself, and they're shareable. So there's no app stores. You can send them direct to your database, uh, and away you go. So, I mean, this is where it starts to get a bit complicated. But now what's happened here behind the scenes is, is your team have, I assume, quickly created an app called Trevor Long, and they've sent it That's to it. me. And, and I went to a website. I sent myself, I put my phone number in. It sent me a text, and I clicked on the on on the text and it took me to a page that said you know press here and add it to your home screen and now there's a yep. my my bloody head photo yep. sitting on my desktop 
and I click on it, and it, it looks like an app here. It's got a little menu that says, That's it. you know, slideshow, brochure, social, video, etc. What I'm seeing here, and and I guess we don't need to go into the great detail, but what I'm sure. seeing here is basically a website, isn't it? It's a it's a mobile, uh, beautifully built and designed mobile enabled website because it's not had to be installed on my machine or anything, and it's and it's available cross platform. Is that correct? Well, that's correct. It's actually a bit smarter than that. In that, with the mobile site, if you don't have an internet connection, you know you can't get back to it. Right. Whereas this is an actual an application that comes down through the web. Right. Um, and you've stored it on your phone, and the installation process is a bit different depending on which device you're on. Mm. Um, but, you know, for all intents and purposes, it's the same as a regular app. It does what most apps do, plus it's got the added advantage of, yeah, you can send them around. So that's how, you know, it was shared with you, and that's, that's why we've called them shareable apps. What's the framework? I mean, obviously, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at an app here that has a menu down the side, and it has, you know, the ability mm. to add social streams, news streams, video, yeah. uh, a brochure in that sense, a slideshow. Yep. Yeah. Uh, is that is have you created a framework? We have, yeah, yeah. It's it's called Adapter, mm-hmm. and it's our patented platform. And uh, when we started doing this, we, <laughs> you know, it's funny how a simple idea can be quite complicated to yeah, make. Yeah. Um, we were making these apps all sort of one by one, but while we were doing that, we started building this self-publishing platform where people could make their own apps and start sending them out and manage their content and do all that sort of stuff. So it's kind of an end-to-end uh, solution where you go, you can go to shareableapps.com. And create a free account, and you can start building your own app and, and you know share it round. So, what does it cost me as a as a small business? Yeah, so I want to put a business, brochure right. with a news feed, yep. etc., up there. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So, um, free to set up and ninety nine dollars a month per app. So oh. it's a cup of coffee, price of a cup of coffee a day, basically. So you know, I'm sharing it. Basically, I can share it any way I want. I can share yeah. it via social or via via phone number, whatever it might be. And yeah. and they, every user at the other end, um, depending on their platform, gets a, a similar set of instructions on how to add it to their phone or, or their yep. device. Correct. Yep, that's right. And then um, when you want to make a change to your app, mm-hmm. everyone sees the current version, so you never have to go back to an app store and download an update or anything like that. It always stays current. So there's a whole lot of advantages there that, that just basically enable businesses to use this as a, as a marketing tool or, or they can use it to communicate with their staff. Um, and it sort of eliminates a bunch of hurdles that you've got to go through if you do it, you know, the old way. I mean, well, yeah, I'm, 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 li- I'm literally blown away because it is so <laughs> simple, isn't it? And, yeah. and I guess, well, the question is, what does Apple think? You know, I mean... Uh, <laughs> Because they've got a rigorous process of yep. app approvals and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. What, what does a company like Apple think? So I think uh, well, we're not doing anything that contravenes anything that Apple no. um, allows. So you know, it's all it's all safe, and we passed you know British data protection laws and all that sort of stuff because mm. we've done apps for for you know English TV shows and channels. Yeah. So it's all you know it's all above board. Um, you know, I think I think the thing is the way that that system is set up is great for you know games and utilities and all that sort of stuff just there's been there's just a, a bit of a gap in there for you know uh, if you want to create something send it out quickly you know um, this makes this enables that sort of stuff and um, you know uh, th- there's a place for native development for for the app store stuff and um, you know, because, because there's always going to be um, that that next tier of apps isn't there this is a yeah. this is a this is a really great approach to a, a style of app um, that that you're you're developing yep. out of the box essentially, and you know whether it's you or someone else, there's always going to be app companies that are that are trying to take apps to the next level for people, yeah. isn't there? That's right. Yeah. yeah so right. I think the most important thing to recognise is um, if you're a business and you want to promote yourself to your customers, um, 
the way things work with the current app stores is that you you're effectively spending a lot of money making a brochure and then you've got to put it in the library. Yep. Then you've got to spend a lot of money getting people to go to that library to get it and you've got to support all these different versions. So it makes sense to be able to send your app directly to people and then mm. keep them updated with that. So um, it's, you know, that, that's, that's, it's, more, it's a distribution platform as well as it just being an app. Yeah. Mm. I think it's a fantastic idea. Um, what does it mean? What is it? What is the future here? Is the future that you're, uh, you know, you take this global? Is it, is it yep. you know, automatically a global business for you because it's such a, a standard approach? Yeah, well, it's it's already online. So we've had this system which we've been working on for quite a while, um, and it's just gone live in the last few weeks. Um, prior to that, you know, we've made about sixty, you know, shareable apps by hand. But yeah. uh, since that's gone gone live, there's been over, you know, seven hundred made, and the public can come in and make their own and. We've we've been really quite focused on making the system very easy to use. So if you can if you can use Facebook, you can make a shareable app. Yeah. So it's uh, it's got a WYSIWYG editor in it, which is you know what you see is what you get. You can get in there and upload your pictures and put video in and do all sorts of stuff. So, well, I've seen the I've seen the finished product. Now I'll I'll, mm. I'll log in and, and have a play around with the front end. And if other people want to do the same, yeah. it's shareableapps.com. And and basically yep. you. you you're encouraging people to go and, and do it, just play around because it's free to register. It's only Correct. when you deploy your app and uh, and right. start using it that, that there's a monthly fee. That, that's that's right. the concept. Yeah, yeah. So it eliminates all those risks that you'd have to face if you want to go and, you know, get somebody to quote building an app and, yeah. you know, long development cycles and, and delays and all that sort of stuff. So it's, you know, I think it, it enables businesses to use this as a marketing channel. Yeah, no worries. Shareableapps.com. Mm. Um, Adam, thank you, mate. Um, I think it's brilliant. Great idea, and uh, I love hearing an Aussie voice telling <laughs> me about cool things because uh, <laughs> we, we are innovators here, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, a lot of talent here. I mean, we're, this is all made in Melbourne, and, you know, we're an Aussie startup, and uh, got got some global brands using this, but, um, you know, it's, it's uh, homegrown. Good on you, mate. Thanks for the chat. Excellent. Thanks, Trevor. <laughs> Well, you might have heard of the company Parrot. Um, they make Bluetooth uh, earpieces and, and headphones and things. They also make the AR drone, which is that uh, quadcopter remote control drone. You can control it with your, your tablet or your smartphones. So they invited me to have coffee and, and show me their new product called Flower Power. And I thought, what the heck's this? And I, I literally looked at the bike and said, you're crazy. I mean, who goes to the boardroom of a company that makes high-quality audio and the most, you know, reputable drone for for home consumer use on the market and says, going to make something for gardening? It's just unprecedented. But it's true. The Parrot Flower Power is available now at Apple stores and Apple Online, and it's brilliant. You take it out of the, the pot plant. It actually comes in a little pot. Uh, you put, it, you t- put a AAA battery in it. You, you screw the cap back on, and you put it in a plant. And then, after 24 hours, as, as you walk by the plant, your phone synchronizes with it, and you get data about the plant. Does it need water? Does it need to be moved into sunlight? Is it too hot where it is? And does it need fertilizer? And it tells you all these things. It'll prompt you and remind you. You can decide what time of day it reminds you. You can decide how often it reminds you. You can, you can actually move it between plants, but it needs a day and a day or, or more to, to learn about each plant, and, and then you lose the data on the old one. But... You actually use a database of, of plants on the app to determine the specific needs of that plant. I put it in a jade plant at my mother-in-law's house, and it, it you know they said, oh, it doesn't need much water. But it's telling me it needs water, and I'm going to trust the app. It needs water. I'm, I think this is unbelievable, not because of what it does, but because the innovation that it opens up. 
I mean, we're using Bluetooth and our smartphones to monitor pot plants. Can you even begin to imagine what would happen to you if you told someone five years ago that you were going to do that? Yes, you'd been in hospital, either with bleeding because you've been bashed or because in a padded cell because people think you're crazy. It's amazing. And I can't wait for the next innovation from this company or another. And I liken Parrot to Dyson. They're just innovating for innovation's sake because they can and they're smart and they build great products. Unbelievable stuff. $79 available at Apple stores and Apple online. The Parrot Flower Power. Tell me about your gut. Talking technology without the jargon. Your Your Tech tech Life with Trevor Long. Well, when it comes to home internet, uh, you know, Telstra has a huge share of the market with Big Pond. IONet is second um, with, with, you know, a, a brilliant share of the market. But there is, you know, there is distance to the next player. Um, I, I, I think you'll find um, that people are really set in their ways when it comes to, uh, to internet. And people probably aren't changing carriers. And we talk about this with mobile phones, don't we? Um, what, what, what incentive is there for you to change carriers? Uh, it's, it's not something I, I, I don't know a lot of people that have done it. So, interestingly, Ionet recently launched a, a brand, I think it was called Jiva, uh, a low-cost carrier. And Telstra have done the same, called Belong. And they've outsourced this thing to the people that, that do their mobile phone low-cost boost. Now, the, the Jiva, the, the Ionet solution, is $79 per month on a 20-24-month plan. But it's actually, and it's unlimited and home phones are included. This is a, that's a different model. They're, they're still targeting the, the, the bundle. Belong is just internet. It's 50 bucks a month, 70 gig of data, no contract, $99 plus the, the $50 a month for the first month so that you get your modem. But after that, it's 50 bucks a month, 70 gig of data. I don't think you'll find better than that. I think it's brilliant. So if you are looking for ADSL 2 Plus, with no lock-in contract on the Telstra network, using your existing phone line, really easy to set up, 24-7 phone and online support. This is very cool. But the question is, are you prepared to switch? How many people have their home email address as their internet provider? Please, if your email address is joeblogs at bigpond or optusnet.com.au or something, please get a Gmail at the very least, if not your own domain name, because then you can switch and change as you like. I reckon this is fantastic. I'd love to know what you think. I'd love to know what you're paying for broadband at home. How much do you pay? And is it a bundle? Can you actually tell me how much your internet costs at home? Get on Twitter and tell me at Trevor Long, twitter.com forward slash Trevor Long, or go to the uh, website and email me, yourtechlife.com. What are you paying for internet at home? Can you even tell me? I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Yourtechlife.com. And thank you for listening to Your Tech Life. My name is Trevor Long. You can get in touch anytime, any day, 1-800-157-157 or go to the website, yourtechlife.com. Now, in, home networking is an interesting little thing, and I'll obviously be talking about this a lot over the months ahead as I uh, bring you details of the, the kind of easy man smart home that I'm trying to trying to make clear that you can do this thing on your own. But the, the heart of any good any product when it comes to the internet is is your actual network and, and the core network that you have at home. And I don't know whether you've thought about this, 
But you know what? The backyard's part of your network. And um, to talk about that and uh, a little bit of home networking broadly is uh, Brad Little, Managing Director of Netgear in Australia. How are you doing, Brad? Great, Trevor. How are you? Man, I'm really well. This is an interesting one because I was thinking about, you know, uh, we just bought a house, we've got the backyard for the first time in a long time that we might actually entertain in. And, you know, whether it's the kids on their, their iMessage on their iPods or whether it's them on their Game Boys or whether it's us parents wanting to, you know, share and show photos on social media, just out the back on the patio or over the backyard in the Barbie area, wherever it is, it's actually becoming an important part of your network, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Look, the, and I suppose the um, the traditional backyard probably is changing a little bit through, you know, we're, we're heading into summer, we've got the warmer months, we're all starting to head outside, we're catching up over, over the holidays, Christmas, New Year's, um, Australia Day. We're all going to start venturing outside and, mm. and catching up with family and friends. And there's a couple of things Australians really love. We love our outdoors, we love our sport, and we love our technology. Mm. And the backyard is, is evolving as one of those places where we can sort of enjoy all three at once. And what's interesting is um, we talked, we've talked a lot over the last 12 months about, about the new range of routers, and we'll talk about it in a minute. But oh, we, I always say when I'm talking about um, the bigger home or whatever it is, that you, know, you talk about the black spots or the dead spots in that room at the other end of the house or whatever it is, but the backyard could be one of those, those dead spots. And the the simple thing that people need to remember is that your home network is is normally based around that that modem that that your Telstra or your your Optus or whoever it might be might have provided to you, and considering just that device and replacing that device or extending that device is as easy as it is when 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 it comes to making your network just that little bit better through the home and into the backyard. Yeah, look, we're at a point now where the technology there's a real compelling reason for people to to go and have a look at that router. And upgrade it. Mm. You know, Australians, we, we're, we're really early adopters of technology. And, um, you know, you, you have a look at the amount of mobile devices that we have. Uh, actually, the average Australian home currently has 10 connected devices. Wow. And by 2017, that's planned to grow to 25. So we've got a lot of technology through throughout the house already. And what we're finding is the majority of these new devices, they're all mobile. Yeah. So we're really starting to push the limits of our, or, or reach the fringes of what our wireless network can deliver, and getting so, frustrated by it because you get frustrated yeah. when you hit the when you hit that fringe or that edge, you, you literally get frustrated by your network. Yep, that's exactly right. It's it's that when you go from five bars down to one <laughs> down to zip, um, it, it's yeah, it's that's when the frustration really kicks in and you sort of miss out on on all the great experiences you get from all your all your gadgets and what's interesting is it's not just uh, people some people would roll their eyes and think well you, you can go without facebook for five minutes out in the backyard but see music systems today so i've got a sonos music system which is all connected via wi-fi now i can just pick up the speaker and take it out the back and be playing music but if that if that speaker's not within wi-fi range there's no music for the party. So it's it's not just about social media here. It's about all those devices, as you say, those up to 20 devices potentially or more that are all relying on networking, whether it's independently of themselves because they've got 3G or something built into them, or they're relying on your home Wi-Fi network. Yeah, look, I, I mean, look, if you say a connected Wi-Fi backyard, it, it, it might sound a little bit crazy at first, but... Mm. Look, hey, there's a lot of experience, a lot of good stuff that our technology can deliver and add to our parties and our family gatherings. And it's not that hard to go and do. And look, there's probably three big shifts or things that are making this all possible. The first thing is we've all got screens in our pockets now. Yep. The amount of phones we carry or the amount of devices we have, we've all got a nice rich screen that can deliver everything from video, Facebook, audio, music, yep. 
all in our pockets every single day. Mm. The next piece is the applications, the apps. The old way you used to find, you know, you'd have to Google for, for whatever content you wanted to look at um, and you'd have to search, search a little bit to find maybe the right website. But yeah. apps, the app stores now is an app for everything. Hey, yeah, the stuff you want to do in the backyard when we've got the family around. Hey, we've got apps to watch cricket live. You've got your Foxtel. You've got V8. You've got your music streaming apps. And it's really easy to access the content. And then the last piece, everyone's got Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. And that's probably, that's probably the last little piece that nobody's thought about. How do I need to upgrade my router so I can use these apps to, to, to get all this really rich and fun content out into the backyard? Well, let, let's talk about the two things that really do enable that, that extension of your network. Because as I said, a lot of people have still got that, that heart of their network is in the office, which might be in one end or whatever. But there's two things that are, have enabled this revolution in terms of Wi-Fi, and they would be AC and, and range extenders. So let's talk about those two things. AC routers, when, when you talk to people about having uh, a new router, it's, it's not just about getting it one that, that looks shiny or anything. Wireless AC gives you better speed and also better range, doesn't it, on compatible devices? Yeah, that, that's right. Look, AC is the latest standard of, of wireless and, and Wi-Fi. Now, not all your existing devices may be currently AC enabled, but if you're in the market for a router, take my advice, go out, get an AC router. Don't, yeah. don't, don't shop down low. Get, get one of the new AC. And what you want is there's a couple of standards or steps within AC. You want something that's AC 1200 or above. Right. And 1200 denotes the speed. So you want 1200 and up. And what that'll do is that makes sure that, that the router has enough processing power and bandwidth and capacity to handle all of your devices. It's fast enough. It's got the furthest range to make sure that you get all that rich content for your mobile and it'll future-proof you. Yeah, and down the because track. the router is the thing that's going to last longer than your mobile phone. You're going to be getting a new mobile phone before you're getting the next router, so you are literally future-proofing. You know, I've already got a, a laptop, a MacBook Air that, that has AC, so devices will change quicker than your router probably does, so now's the time to be looking at that router and that future-proofing. And then the other thing, and this is really interesting, and, and it's such a simple thing, and, and I, I, I understand the category is going really well um, in Australia, these range extenders where you've got this got this uh, router in, in, in one room, but down the other end of the house, it's a dead spot or in the backyard. Well, you, Wacker, if you've got good reception in the kitchen, which overlooks the backyard, you put a range extender there in the kitchen, and they, they can be as simple as a PowerPoint-based range extender, and then you've got that network extended out across the, the backyard or the dead spot in the house. Yeah, they, they, these are great. Now, you know, you, you still will get some dead spots here and there. I mean, Wi-Fi suffers from interference, and if you've got a brick, big brick wall or, you know, sometimes you're still yeah. going to have a few dead spots. What these range extenders do is they basically, and it's the size of a typical power cube, you plug it into a power point, and it picks up your existing Wi-Fi network and then boosts it out the other side to give you signal strength and give you connectivity into, into those dead spots that you may have. Mm. Such a simple thing, and um, I remember when it first came out, I was like, "Why hadn't we done this earlier?" But they, they have gone really well this year, and people are realising that it's that it's a simple extension of your home network, and uh, and and that's that's what you guys do. Um, it's really interesting stuff, and as I said, I've got a, le- a few little cool things happening over the next couple of months, so we might catch up and chat again in a few weeks and talk about a few other ideas around networking, some of the products and, and things that Netgear do offer. Um, but, mate, uh, always good to catch up and chat and uh, always good to try and give people advice on how to make their network better. Thanks, Trevor. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long.
yourtechlife.com, place to go to get in touch. Uh, let's go back to calls. G'day, Ashley. G'day, Trevor. How are you? Good, buddy. What can I do for you? Just um, wondering, I'm looking at going, I've got Windows 7 on both laptop and um, desktop, and I'm wondering whether I'd have to buy two separate um, versions um, or whatever for yeah, Windows right. 8. So you've got two computers, yep. separate computers running Windows 7. You yep. want to run Windows 8 on them both? Yes. Uh, yes, you need to buy two two versions. Yeah. And doesn't it doesn't it make you feel a little bit angry because yes. because Apple are doing upgrades for free now. So it, it, this this to me puts it in context of, of Tim Cook saying, you know, and by the way, our, our software upgrades are free now. Yeah. It's like Microsoft, you know, poor Ashley, he's going to have to spend hundreds of dollars, literally, yeah. Yeah. Um, to get that upgrade on something that they really want you to have. Yeah. Uh, and you're better off having it. But, yeah, I guess that's a that's – because, a, I mean, there's enterprise-level um, Windows, but that's really for people in multiple user yeah. environments, not yeah. for two. It's more for ten. And, and so yeah. – um, Whereas it's good with Windows Seven, I mm. got got a multiple user. I could put it on two machines with, with the one product key. I mean, I think what happens is basically that um, that you you end up with a situation where obviously if one of them wasn't connected to the internet, you'll be fine. But I don't see. I mean, I've had a look, and I'm happy to stand corrected by people, but I'm I'm not seeing anything that he that suggests um, you can use uh, uh, Windows Eight on multiple computers. Um, I'm just searching and, and looking for it as we go um, on, on multiple computers is what we want. But um, I just it's it's not something I've heard a lot of. But no. um, everything I read here tells me, no, sorry, but it's it's one at a time. Yep. But, um, yeah. And uh, just a little tidbit too. I've just come back from Hawaii, yeah. and in the big Almanawa shopping centre, mm-hmm. on one side of this. Um, Alley, there's a Microsoft store, and on the other side, there's an Apple store. Same buddy thing in uh, in San Jose. Stephen Fennick and I were there last year, and yeah. and it was funny to see it. Like literally, they weren't opposite each other, but they were, you know, ten meters down essentially. Now, yeah. let me ask you this: Which one had more people in it? Uh, at that stage, it was the Microsoft. Store. Interesting, right? And what were they doing? Do, do the, the people there just browsing, or you know, because the Apple store—it's they're often at the Genius Bar, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. That's a good strategy by Microsoft doing that, but it's a bad strategy to spend, to charge hundreds of dollars for a, yeah. a software upgrade. But you know, the other thing is to make sure that your your PC is really ready for Windows 8, mate, because you know it is is well, it is a different operating system. Desktop should be. Yeah, right. But probably the laptop, because our laptop's about three years old. Yeah, right. Might be best leaving it on Windows 7, mate. Yeah, it's a good Toshiba laptop. Yeah, it might be best sticking that one on on uh, on Windows 7. Yeah. All right, bud. Good and, luck. Yeah, well, I had a bit of trouble trying to call back to Australia too. Oh, really? From overseas? Yeah, what? Yeah. What? From your mobile? Yeah, yeah. Well, who, who are you with? Boost. Yeah, so well, you got to you got to buy a data pack. Uh, yeah, sorry, yeah, overseas I, roaming. I meant pack. to do that before I went and forgot. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be honest, and and again, this is the example of things you can do as, as a non-contract user. But because when I go to Janu- in CES in January yep. in in the US, I'm going to switch back to Vodafone because switching to Vodafone for a month. Yeah. And, and roaming for five or six days is going to be cheaper than, than having to put on the data packs and worrying about, you know, all my data yeah, and things. So I know the boost data packs are $25. Yeah, well, when you're roaming, mate, that's $25 is five days on, yeah, on Vodafone getting yeah. your normal plan. So yeah. I, I think it's still the best best software out there. Yeah, I should have thought of that. Should have thought before you left, yeah. mate. Well, yeah. I hope you had a good time, mate. Yeah, we did. Good on you, buddy. Yeah. Thanks for getting in touch. All right, see ya. Bye. Cheers.
Well, I hate hearing people who've been scammed, but last week on the radio show on TV, we had a call from a guy named Jason who um, had bought a laptop from a company online and hadn't received it. Making phone calls, seemed to get the runaround. He was nervous. And he typed the name of the company into, um, into, uh, into Google and found a lot of negative reviews. And uh, I was nervous for him. We sent it on to the Department of Fair Trading, and the Fair Trading response was this. Fair Trading has received a significant number of complaints about this business. There's a current investigation into this business, and it's possible they're linked to a business that has recently been prosecuted and fined by Fair Trading. Such a sad outcome. Fortunately, I was able to hook Jason up with a new Dell computer, which is great, and thank you to Dell again for their support. But a warning to people. The company's name is PCN Tech. And I would avoid them with a 10-foot barge pole until the outcome of this investigation. PCN Tech. If you need a computer, buy it from a manufacturer, buy it from a reputable retailer. Don't buy it from PCN Tech at this stage. Very disappointing to hear people getting ripped off. Um, And I hope that something is resolved here for all their customers. And I hope they either pick up their game or they go out of business. Uh, But if you're looking for a computer, don't buy from PCN Tech because I have my doubts about them and as does the Department of Fair Trading. Uh, I'd love to know what you think. If you've heard of this company or you've had any run-ins with them, let me know. Uh, that's all for this week, uh, Your Tech Life. Thank you for listening, episode 214. As I always say, you can listen um, every week here. Uh, there's also two blokes talking tech coming back this week, and I'm on TUE uh, in Sydney on Tuesdays at about 12.30 in the afternoon, Saturdays at 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, I talk to Glenn Ridge on my MP in Melbourne, Every Wednesday morning, uh, John Burgess, 6IX in Perth every uh, every Wednesday morning. Peter Bell on 6PR in Perth every Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Mark Parton on 2CC Canberra every Tuesday morning. And uh, Graham Burrell down there at Pulse FM Wollongong every Tuesday morning as well as um, another host of other places across the country. It's great to talk to you. It's great to hear from you. And you can get in touch anytime at eftm.com.au, eftm.com.au or the website Your Tech Life. Com. Thanks for listening. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, Your Tech, tech Life with Trevor Long.